Yo, you hear the sounds, you hear the sirens, you know what that means. It is time for the Nosebleeds Emergency Podcast. We had some crazy breaking news on Wednesday around noon, I would say, and that was James Harden getting traded to the Brooklyn Nets. It was insane, insane. We'll give you quick trade details before we get into it. Basically, the Nets got James Harden. Uh, Cleveland's second round pick. The Rockets got Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Rodney Karutz, three first round picks from the Brooklyn Nets, one pick from the, the Cavaliers, which was Milwaukee's first round pick, and then they got four Brooklyn first round pick swaps. Um, and then the Cavaliers, they got Jared Allen and Torian Prince, and then the Pacers got Karis LeVert and Houston second round pick. So it was, it was just all over the place, basically. The, the tweets just came out. like, and, and I mean, I don't know about you. Let's talk about our initial reactions. But for me, I was just chilling, you know, getting ready to go to physical therapy for my knee. And then I get this notification, the notification that you love to see. It's called a wadge bomb. <laughs> and <laughs> there, there was a lot of reports about this trade coming up from uh, Tuesday's post game with uh, the statements that James Harden made and with the Rockets. Um, and then after that, the whole uh, Nets and the 76ers were involved in the trade talk. So there was ample time for preparation for this Woj bomb, but they're still called Woj bombs for a reason, because even when you know it's coming, it still takes you by absolute surprise. And when the trade details came out, I was absolutely speechless. I My head was all over the place because the picks that were traded, who was traded? Because after the James Harden trade was announced, Victor Oladipo got announced that he was being traded to the Rockets for Karis LeVert. And then it was a complete shock. And then I found out the Cavs get Jared Allen. So, I mean, it was a crazy like half an hour to an hour for me. What about you, Corey? Yeah, I'm still, I don't want to say in shock, but I'm still taking it all in. I feel like it's going to take probably at least another few hours until I'm able to be like, okay, this is reality. James Harden is officially on the Brooklyn Nets, and the Nets really didn't went ahead and pulled that trigger. I mean, James Harden, in his final game with the Rockets, that post-game interview, I didn't think that was going to be as iconic as it was, but man, we're going to be looking at that post-game interview at the end of the season, regardless whether or not the Rockets, um, whether or not the Nets, excuse me, win the title or come up short. People are going to be posting that, uh, those comments and those statements nonstop. And I felt like on one end, it was like he was saying goodbye and he was completely just letting, airing out all his frustration. Like he was pretty much done. He pretty much felt like this Rockets team cannot win. And overall, I was like, yo, I feel for the dude. But at the same time, I'm just thinking like, okay, Houston, they don't they don't have to trade him. Like, they don't have to trade him. But, hey, they probably felt like, yo, if he continues to make statements like this, if he continues to play like he's been playing, which, I mean, hasn't been bad necessarily, but hasn't been up to the James Harden standard. Like, we're used to seeing James Harden get 30 like no <laughs> – like nothing, 40 even, like nothing – but this dude has been barely scoring 20 points per game, has showed up kind of overweight, out of shape. And pre-game meals. <laughs> people are already saying, we're already rumoring and throwing out the idea of, is he, is he not showing up? Is he pretty much tanking? Is he pretty much throwing in the towel? Is he not giving full effort? And if you're a team that has an asset like James Harden and you are potentially trying to trade him away, that is going to absolutely kill his value. So the Nets had to, uh, you know, step in, and the Rockets definitely felt like if we don't get rid of him now, 
we're going to miss out on something potentially big. I was kind of surprised that they decided to trade him to the Nets because by all intents and purposes, I thought that the Sixers was going to be able to provide the best package of Ben Simmons in, you know, draft pick compensation. So I was initially surprised about that. And then thinking about the fact that Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant are all going to be on the same team. Like, this is not 2K. This is real life. (laughs) This is unbelievable. And so, uh, yeah, I I was at work. My boy Kush sends me the text message. And all he says is just, bruh. And I'm like, what that mean, bro? (laughs) And I go on Twitter and I just start seeing James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets. And I'm like, they really went ahead and did that. So um, insane to say the least. But to be honest with you, I don't even know if the, the, the trade solely between the Nets and the Rockets is the main focus. I mean, like the... The other teams involved with the Cavs and the Pacers is what kind of caught me off guard, to be honest with you. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's dive straight into it. We got our trade grades that we're going to give for each of the four teams. Let's start off with the Nets. Corey, what are you giving them and why? I am going to give the Nets uh, an A-. minus, And I'll say A- minus just because of them being able to get James Harden. Yes, they got who they wanted to get. But at the same token there's a little apprehension. So, I mean, my grade is an A minus, but, you know, it fluctuates from A minus to B plus sort of range because on the surface, just looking at this from, you know, right here, right now, they have become the favorites to win the Eastern conference and come out of the East and go to the finals by far. So we, you know, you know, I was, you know, saying that, you know, I felt, I still, you know, feel like the Celtics can give them a run for their money, believe it or not. But obviously I have to, you know, agree with the consensus in Vegas that the Nets are now the favorites to go to the finals out of the East. That being said, we still don't know if this is going to necessarily work because on the surface, I like the fact that they have three of the best one-on-one ISO ball players, instant offense, instant buckets, Kyrie Irving, you cannot guard him. James Harden, you cannot guard him. And KD trade five, good luck defenders out there and even Patrick Beverly first team all defense a team full of Patrick Beverly's would not be able to stop (laughs) this team in my opinion I don't care who you throw out there the greatest defensive team could would absolutely struggle against James Harden (laughs) Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving but on the same token I have to say like it's mainly off off of the court that kind of concerns me because still at this point in time, we don't know what the situation is with Kyrie Irving. Um, it seems as if the league has kinda, is going to step in to determine how long it's going to take for Kyrie to come back into the fold. And then once Kyrie gets back, how long is it going to take for this team to be able to find its stride? Are they going to be able to, you know, without the, the, without the, the, the amount of talent that they had and the depth that they had, which they pretty much gutted through this trade, are they still going to be able to function as a, 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 a strong team, as a strong unit? And defensively, that is the biggest question mark on this team. Are they going to be able to lock down defense? We've seen Kevin Durant, when he was with the Warriors, establish himself as one of the best defensive players in the NBA. But on the same token, um, we've seen James Harden improve his defense. Kyrie Irving is a serviceable defender, but I wouldn't say he's the best. But defensively, if this team wants to win a championship, the only way they are going to win is if they come down and lock in 
together and lock down on the defensive end because it don't matter how many points you score if you can't get the job done and shut down your opponent on the other end it's going to be all for now and I think that this initial season will be similar to the Miami Heat when they first got together and it will be a, a sort of a trial run to allow this uh, these guys to you know fill each other out and you know sort of you know get a feel for each other but I think if this team does not get at least one title within this three-year span, this will be an absolute failure. And yet again, another Brooklyn Nets situation. Yeah, that's why, because mainly for that reason, I'm going to give them a B minus. I mean, they got their guy, James Harden, but they gave up a lot of draft capital. But and but if, if you look at it on the surface, they really only gave up Karis LeVert and Jaron Allen for James Harden, if you just look at this season right now. So right now they have three of the top 15 some say maybe even the top 10 players in the league so it's insane how much firepower that offense has but like you said defense concerns me because during the regular season offense yeah you could put up you could run up the score or whatever but playoffs we all know defense matters because you're going up against the best so the reason why I really couldn't give this team a higher grade too is also because I don't know what the hell is going on with Kyrie Irving like I don't know whether he's going to return and if he does return, how they'll mesh and, and both from a standpoint from on and off the court. So it's going to be really interesting, but I, I honestly don't have any worries about KD and Harden meshing, but Kyrie is the biggest wild card for me. And another reason why I gave them a B minus is because like I said, they gave away their entire future. And yes, I'm aware if they win the championship, it'll all be worth it. But they all three of those guys have player options in the 2022 and 2023 year. So let's God forbid all those guys decline their options and then decide to go their separate ways. Like you said, we could be seeing the Nets be the Nets once again, like we saw with the Nets and Celtics with the Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce trade and those picks ending up turning into Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So the Nets might be the laughing stock again, but as of right now, they are not. They're at the top of the Eastern Conference uh, on paper, and it will be really interesting to see how these guys play together. Let's move on to the second team. We got the Rockets. I'm going to give them a B plus. Traded away, toxic situation, got a lot of draft capital in return with Oladipo. I didn't give them the A just because I felt like trading James Harden should have been done a while ago because they definitely could have got more or even if they did it with the Sixers. But there was reports that this, uh, they were asking for Ben Simmons, Matisse Thybul, and Maxi and first round picks along with that too. So the Sixers were like, hell no, nah, we, we like where we're at right now. We're not giving all that just for James Harden, who it may not even work with him. So that's why I get, I'm giving them a B plus. Um, and I, I definitely think they lost trade value when they decided to trade him later. But initially they got Karis LeVert, who I'm a big fan of, but then ended up flipping him for Victor Ol Oladipo, a former all-star who hasn't really been himself since his leg injury. But I think a new scenery could help Oladipo get back to his uh, ways initially when he was first in Indiana or even in Orlando, just because you, you look at how, how he's been ever since the injury. He just hasn't been his all-star self. And that's why the the Pacers definitely traded him but for overall I think the ceiling of this trade for the Rockets is very 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 high <laughs> but also the floor is kind of is, is pretty low too with this trade but I think the potential for the future of the trade kind of outweighs the current situation with the draft capital so that's why I think I gave the Rockets a B plus what do you give them Corey I give them a B just because of the fact of when you think of what they could have potentially gotten 
um, with the Philadelphia 76ers, I understand why the Sixers didn't pull the trigger because, I mean, you just seen Maxi go ahead and score 40 points in a game. You're gotten off to a really good start early on this season. Joel and B is playing at MVP level. And in a be-all, end-all type situation, potentially with this team in the Sixers, did you really want to pull the trigger on getting James Harden when you don't necessarily know what the future holds and you don't really know, like, if this season is even going to finish out? Uh, we might have a shortened season. Did you want to commit to James Harden? Uh, I don't. I mean, I, I totally understand why the Sixers were like, nah, we're going to pump the brakes on that and not give up Ben Simmons. We're going to hold firm. But the Rockets, I feel like them getting – Victor Oladipo, an expiring contract, whether he re-signs with them or not, there I think that the Rockets could maybe even allow Victor Oladipo to kind of go on. Uh, this this would be like uh, a show out for potential free agent uh, teams out there that were thinking about potentially doing uh, trying to sign him um, next offseason. And if he decides that he doesn't want to re-sign with the Rockets, they could try to do a sign and trade with the team at the end of next year at the end of uh, this year. So I feel like that's a win for them. And I think they didn't want to commit to having the contract of uh, Karis LeVert, which I mean, is totally fine, which is why you pick up Victor Oladipo's expiring contract. And then the main thing is what they do with the picks that they get. Now you're assuming that these are going to be low end first round picks and that this is going to be a low first round pick with the Milwaukee pick, unless Giannis, God forbid, has an injury or something like that. But at the same token, I feel like they got, you know, some nice pieces in order to rebuild. It's just, I think with this Houston Rockets team and their franchise at this current state in time, they're going to be rebuilding a little bit here. And I think that their future is not with, uh, the likes of John Wall, Victor Oladipo, DeMarcus Cousins, that's not their future. That's, you know, their current team right here, right now. But I think they're committing to a a little bit of a rebuild here and a rebuild situation that might take a little while for them to get back into the fray of uh, being a legitimate uh, NBA title contender. But all in all, I think that when you look at their current situation and their current uh, circumstances, they weighed their options and, pretty much decided we have to stop waiting on our hands and knees beckoning for James Harden to change his mind because that doesn't seem like that's going to be happening. So they pulled the trigger. They traded him immediately. They didn't let this go on and on like waiting to like the trade deadline or something like that in order to pull the triggers is that I think that could have been a God awful situation and they could have really paid the price for that. But I think that the Rockets, they did the best they possibly could could they have gotten more? Maybe. But at the end, I think that they'll come away with looking at what they got in compensation for their star player. And they'll have to nod their head and be like, hey, we came out winners here. And I think that they deserve a B grade for me. All right. What about the Cavs? They got Jared Allen and Torian Prince in this trade. What are you giving them? I feel like Jared Allen is the big pickup here and the funny thing about the Cavs is all they gave up was a low-end first round pick from Milwaukee to, in order to get them when you think about how, when you think about that situation right there that is a W for the Cavaliers because now you while yes it's com- comedic that yet again they're adding another big man to their roster of JaVel McGee, Andre Drummond, and now Jared Allen you're committing to Jared Allen being your big man of the future, Isaac Okoro being your wing, 
uh, Colin Sexton also being in there. So you start to see the pieces for this young Cavaliers team getting uh, these 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 main guys in order to kind of be their 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 core group of uh, players going forward. And the hope is that from the Cavaliers perspective is that Jared Allen is going to evolve his game both uh, offensively and defensively to become similar to like a Bam at a bio, maybe not from like the three point or the, the wing shooting, but becoming one of the best bigs in the league, because you're hoping that Jared Allen can blossom into something special here, which is why you take the chance on him. Torian Prince is also a serviceable, serviceable wing player as well. I think that uh, the big thing for them is uh, whether or not they're going to be able to keep this core group of young players. And if they're going to be, if any of these guys blossoms into something special, then I think that you have a win here. But right now for the Cavaliers, you're trying to acquire as much young talent as possible and you understand that, yes, we're going to be bad right now, but the hope is, is that going forward in the future, these young guys can learn to play with each other, get better with each other, and eventually develop at least one guy into an all-star caliber talent. For me, I'm going to give the Cavs a B-. minus. I think the Cavs were lasagnas of this trade. Shout out Lil Wayne, because real G's move silent like lasagna. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they got a 22-year-old promising center in Jared Allen, and even just... Going into the draft, my NBA comparison for him was DeAndre Jordan back in Lob City. <laughs> ironic. <laughs> and yeah, completely ironic, the fact that DeAndre Jordan ended up going to the Nets after. But just the way he plays, he's that rim-protecting big man who does not back down from a challenge. You've seen him get crazy blocks on LeBron James, but you've also seen him get dunked on. But that's just who Jared Allen is. He doesn't back down from anything. And like I said, he's only 22 years old. You said that the Cavs basically gave up nothing. They gave out a Milwaukee first round pick in 2022, which uh, since Giannis resigned, that may be around 25 or 30. And then a second round pick in Dante Exum. The reason why I give him a B minus is kind of like what you said is they have so many big men. I mean, it's, it's so confusing for them to trade for Jared Allen, but when, when you get an opportunity like that, you don't say no to get Jared Allen for absolutely nothing. But you look at their roster, Drummond, JaVale McGee, Larry Nance Jr., and Kevin Love. That is so many big mans. How are you going to rotate them all in? Because honestly, Larry Nance Jr. has been balling for them this season. I actually think he's leading the league in steals, which is absurd. But it'll be interesting to see what the Cavs do with Andre Drummond because he's set to be a free agent this offseason. So there's no point in really having him on the team, especially because exactly. I, I, I think he's going to stunt the growth of Jared Allen if you continue to keep him because you're not not going to play Andre Drummond. So it's going to be interesting what the Cavs do with Andre Drummond. They but might try to flip him like trade deadline uh, I could, time. I could definitely see that. I could and definitely. I think see that. hopefully, unlike the Pistons, they can actually get some value for him instead of some peanuts and <laughs> nothing for their guy. I mean, damn, bro, I felt so bad for Drummond. Yo, the Pistons said, "Yeah, we'll take whatever, whatever's yeah. fine, whatever yeah. you give us." It was crazy, but I mean, the Cavs looks like they're moving in the right direction with their future of Sexland. Sexton and Garland it's such a weird name but it's actually pretty funny like now now that I actually say it out loud it's pretty funny but uh they got them too they got Jared Allen Isaac Okoro and then I still think they're going to be a lottery team I don't see them making the playoffs this upcoming season so depending on who they pick in the draft I think in a couple years he could be making a playoff run and also don't fail to mention they got Torian Prince who had a rough start to the season, but I mean, he started to play off uh, a little better now. And I think pretty solid role player. They got in him. 
And then we got the Pacers, the Indiana Pacers. I'm going to actually give them an A minus. I'm going to, I think they're the winners of this trade, which is pretty crazy. They basically flipped an expiring contract in Oladipo that I'm sure would have asked for at least $20 million this offseason into basically an instant bucket in Karis LeVert, who was in his first of his three year, $52.5 million deal. And then every time I watch the Brooklyn Nets game this season, LeVert continues to get better and better. And not only just his scoring his passing too i think he's averaging six assists a game which is a career high for him in his fourth year but I, they definitely got better they didn't lose anything trading away oladipo's offense because they got honestly they might have even got better on the offensive end they'll definitely be losing uh, oladipo's defense but i think just the fact that they flipped an ex- expi- um, expiring contract for a young promising player who's under contract for another two more years after this is a huge w for me and they got a second round pick so their grade could go up from an a minus depending on who that second round pick is if they could get a steal in the draft and the pacers man they've really been that small market team that just knows how to find ways to maneuver even though they understand that look we're not a free agent destination we're not going to get marquee big guys to sign with us for like the top dollar um contracts but they understand like hey you know we have paul george he's disgruntled let's flip him and let's get back demontis Sabonis and victor oladipo the victor oladipo has an expiring contract probably if he's not going to resign with us or if he's going to want max money, we got to get rid of him. So, I mean, let's go ahead and get in on this James Harden trade and try to go ahead and get ourselves a guy who's under contract for three years in Karis LeVert, who, like you said, has been blossoming, has been getting better. And overall, Kush, I think he can really be like a, a nice, uh, solid all-around player and be somewhat, if not even better than what the player that Oladipo provided before he got injured. So, I mean, you really did a good job if you're Indiana of still once again maintaining uh your current state as a team and you're still going to be in that conversation to compete and if if TJ Warren was healthy bro man this team could really be pushing potentially for a top four seed in the east but overall I feel like Indiana is going to be in the in the playoff hunt definitely and they're going to be a team that if you see them and they're healthy in the postseason it's going to be a difficult squad to bounce out uh because I feel like Harris Laver is a walking bucket and he just helps their offense because an offense that when you think about it their options are kind of limited with Sabonis uh Turner uh Brogdon you have Levert here who you just give this man the ball and allow him to go to work. And I feel like that's exactly what they kind of needed there, especially with Oladipo kind of not being at his best quite yet. Yeah. And it, I mean, out of these four teams, I'm obviously going to want to watch the Nets play when they have their full oh, squad. Yeah, back. Absolutely. But, but I think the Pacers, they're right there for me too. I want to watch the Pacers with Karis Levert in this offense. Cause Miles Turner is playing his mind out on the defensive end and, DeMontis Sabonis is playing somewhat at an MVP level, dropping triple doubles left and right. And Brogdon has been amazing as well, too. So Pacers, watch out for them. And the thing that kind of sucks also is like, I wish there would be like a lot more, you know, fans in attendance because I just cannot wait for when James Harden has to suit up and has to head back to Houston. That first game back in Houston, I cannot wait to see it, bro, because Yo, John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, they did not shy back from what they had to say. They were like, yo, guys are not focused here. And DeMarcus Cousins was like, yo, I came here to play with John Wall, not James Harden. I'm like, yo, they definitely didn't hold back. 
So, I mean, uh, it's obviously testy. It's obviously still fresh. And at the end of the day, I've always been consistent on my views on Harden. I knew, yes, he's not, he didn't go the right way about it. If you want to quote unquote say that, but then again, what NBA star of recently has gone a quote unquote right way about it? Like I heard like, uh, and I don't honestly think that people are going to like be like hating on this team or they're going to like feel like they're like the villains of the NBA because it doesn't it doesn't feel like that vibe, does it, Kush? I mean, no. you don't feel it doesn't feel like a LeBron James Heat team or the Golden State Warriors team. It doesn't feel like that. I think honestly, this will be a polarizing team. This will be a love or love or hate them sort of team. But I don't think that majority of NBA fans are going to be looking at this team and hoping that they just fail. I think we'll be all looking at this team just excited to see what happens, like whether it's on the court, off the court, we know that stories are going to come out and news is going to be breaking constantly in Brooklyn. So I think what I'm hoping to see is how is this team going to play? I can't wait to see like their first few games together and see like how they start to progress, how they start to get better. And just like the hierarchy is what I'm curious to see, because we know that Kevin Durant, this is his team. He should be the number one option of this team. But then after he's number one, who's number two? Who I mean, you got Harden, James Harden. The guy, the guy who has an MVP. <laughs> I mean, you got James Harden and Kyrie. I mean, Kyrie could be like, yo, he has an MVP, but I got a ring. So, I mean. On the coattails <laughs> there of LeBron. You go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there you go. I mean, that, like, that's, that's this type of stuff that I feel like they're going to have to work out. And it's not to say that they can't work it out. I think that good, good to great players figure it out and they're able to work and play with each other but honestly i think i i I just am curious to see how this team is able to function on and off the court yeah and i mean with this trade you got the current situations and you got the future situations of the main two teams that were a part of this trade, which were the Nets and the Rockets. So let's talk about it because one team is striving with their current situation on paper while the other team could be striving in the future. So let's talk about current situation. We got the Nets for me. They definitely improved the most out of all the teams uh, rightfully. So, Um, and I think they, they have three walking buckets, Katie, Kyrie and Harden they do have a depleted bench now with Dinwiddie out obviously trading Karis LeVert and then Jared Allen but I think we're gonna be learning about some names that a lot of people aren't familiar with like Bruce Brown Timothy Luau Cabro and Reggie Perry so I mean we they still have some solid guys and then they have solid role players as well which I'll get into but I think the biggest thing that everyone is going to be talking about and rightfully so they have the right to ask this question is are these three guys going to be able to coexist? Because a lot of people are saying these are three ball dominant players and there's only one ball to go around. So, I mean, we've had these questions about Chris Paul and Harden. We've had it with Westbrook and Harden. So, uh, but these are three ball dominant players. So let's, I want to go into each of them, which is KD. He has the experience of playing with other ball dominant players like Westbrook and OKC, Steph in Golden State. And he he's a player that you don't really have to worry about if he has or doesn't have the ball because he's played with multiple All-Stars um, multiple times and he's won championships doing so. So I think he can definitely put his ego to the side and his stats to the side to just solely win championship rings because I think arguably, I think, what was it? couple years ago when you came on the podcast as a as a guest speaker i went down and i said that kevin durant 
could go down as the greatest scorer ever to play this game. And I think the fact that he already has that is he's going to be able to put his stats on the side with Harden. I think he's accumulated all the accolades at, that a scorer really wants, like, you know, uh, scoring titles, MVP, all NBA teams. But the one thing he hasn't won is an NBA championship. And I think that he's willing to sacrifice. The key word here is sacrifice his stats in order to win one. Kyrie, like I said, the biggest wild card. I'm, this is speaking optimism, complete optimism here. I think of all the guys, all of these guys are at a point of their careers where, you know, they've they've won a championship or they've won an MVP, and now they just want to win more championships and make a legacy for their, themselves. And I think they're going to be able to put all their differences aside and you know, all their statistics aside and come together and win a championship. Because right now, all three of these guys are in their prime. So I think... When it's all said and done, I think Kyrie will be willing to give up touches for success for this team. Again, this is me speaking optimistically, so that we don't know. And then I just want to touch on the role players real quick in their current situation. I, I, I tweeted about this. I said DeAndre Jordan. I don't know if you've been looking at him ever since he left Lob City. Dude has looked so unmotivated anywhere he plays in <laughs> Dallas in new york even with in the nets like he just looks so unmotivated but now the guy is a legitimate contender he's on a team with a contender and he is the starting center so i think he's going to turn back the clock to his lob city days like there was i think in what was it wednesday night he had three blocks and yeah. i mean so which was pretty crazy to see just because deandre jordan i think the last time he averaged two or more blocks was like back in 2015 or 2016 after that he hasn't averaged more than one block some seasons not even averaging a block a game I think he had a he double did. double also in a game against the Knicks. so yeah no he had he had nine points okay rebounds just so was close. just just close to a double double yeah just yeah, missed it but i'm i'm just saying i think he's going to be absolutely motivated and turn back the clock cuz he knows he is a contender now and then Joe Harris, this guy has evolved into more than just being a sharpshooter. He's taking guys off the dribble, and I'm just like, hold up, wait, Joe Harris? I was like, okay, I see you. And Joe, then he's uh, also Joe Harris has been learning from Joe Ingles, the two Joes. <laughs> Jiggling Joe Ingles. But uh, he's also underrated rebounder. And then you have Jeff Green, who can play the three to five off the bench and do a little bit of everything. Bruce Brown and then Timothy Luau-Cabro, they're basically the scrappy guys of the team. And then you have Landry Shamit, which he's been struggling recently with the new team. But I think once he starts getting his rhythm, back he'll be crucial for this team and then obviously you have the coaching staff steve nash and the coaching staff they're gonna have their hands full trying to come up with a game plan to satisfy all three of these dudes but i think having dan tony definitely helps because he's had experience with harden and cp3 and then harden and westbrook so that should definitely be very helpful with the game planning and then you obviously have nash and stoudemire who have been in the locker rooms most recently probably out of any of the coaches in the league so definitely gonna help um with the locker room but what's your standpoint on the Nets' current situation after this trade? I feel like, like you said, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, one of the things, though, uh, that I think made things speed up with this trade, the reason probably why the, the it was kind of like the Nets were probably like itching and scratching to make this deal was because Kyrie Irving is MIA. And it's kind of putting a little bit more pressure on the shoulders of Kevin Durant to have to play a back-to-back, to have to, you know, play i think what was it like five games uh five out of seven games early on you know after coming off an achilles injury probably not what brooklyn wanted to do early stages of the season but all in all i i think that if you want to talk about potentiality of this you know right here right now working out 
that's the guy, like you said, you got to convince him to get on board because this does not work. I don't care if it's just James Harden and, and Kevin Durant. This will not work for them to win a championship if Kyrie is not all in and on board because you need this dude who can be an assassin for you, a killer for you, and ready to go out there and go to war for you if he believes in the current situation. And the, uh, I think if you wanted to, talk, to provide any sort of motivation for him or competition for him, you did that with James Harden. Because like I said, we know KD's number one. Uh, Kyrie and James Harden are going to have to battle for that number two spot, bro. And I feel like that is going to give Kyrie some motivation to get back into the fold, to want to work hard, to want to go out there and help this team win. And uh, I, just, I just think that uh, also another thing that we have to talk about is the rookie head coach. Can he be able to manage all these different personalities? Like you said, I, I like the fact that Dan Tony is there. Harden loves that guy. He didn't want him to get fired. He went to bat for him. So that's a familiar face in a, in a new space. Uh, two guys who have worked well with each other in the past. So it'll be it'll be good and I think great if Steve Nash is going to be able to lean on D'Antoni and vice versa in order to, for them to figure out how to get the best out of this team. But there's been already some rumors that potentially Kyrie, the reason that he left was he wasn't liking the current situation with his uh, new head coach. So uh, I think there's been a lot of rumors. And one of the biggest ones that I saw is that he may not return this season at all. And they're just saying that shocked me, to be honest with you. And the, and the thing is, is his uh, personal reason absence just you know how he was a big advocate for black lives matter oh, and yeah. all the protests and stuff like that and i mean this is again just rumors and speculation but it's a legit rumor and speculation is that the whole capitol hill thing that happened yeah. it was right about that time where he kind of checked out so mm. whether there's correlation between those two things i don't know but um it's possible because Kyrie definitely looks at basketball more than just the game. He looks at he, he's a big activist and a big spokesperson for the Black Lives Matter community. So it will be interesting to see. Yeah, I think that Kyrie, um, he's definitely a guy who, like I said, he moves at the beat of his own drum. And he's he's even going back to the, before we went into the bubble, he was already kind of talking about how he wanted to do more stuff off the court. So, I mean, that doesn't really shock me in any sort of way at all. I think what is, and then also we had the interesting thing of him saying that they shouldn't bring, shouldn't have uh, even had the season come back because it would right. be a distraction. And so, uh, I mean, Kyrie, man, like we, we have to take things, what he says with a pinch of salt. Cause I mean, he could at any point change his mind left or right, <laughs> but Hey, I, if, if he feels like he wants to kind of do similar what WNBA player Maya Moore did and just sit out the rest of the season and, you know, focus on off the court issues. Kudos to him. If he feels like that, that this, you know, whatever is going on in real life is a lot bigger than basketball and more important than basketball, then I don't think anybody can really, you know, criticize or, or hate on him for doing that. It's just, I think what fans are going to be a little bit critical of Kyrie is if he's kind of wishy-washy, if he's like, oh, well, you know, things, this is bigger than basketball. And, you know, I'm not really sure if I want to play. And then like this trade happens is like, oh yeah, I'm all in now. Let's go. Let's go guys. I'm ready to go. Let's go win this chip. So, I mean, we know who the motivated person, who the motivated people are as far as like on the court wise, KD's trying to prove that, Hey, I don't need the Warriors in order to win a championship. Harden's trying to get his first ever championship for Kyrie. I mean, he's like, 
hey, I got one. But at the same token, I mean, I feel like he 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 has a lot going on on for himself that you just have to if you if you're trying to win, I think you need him in the fold. And uh, it'll be a key situation there, the relationship between Kyrie, his teammates and the coaching staff. And like I said, I don't expect them, even if Kyrie comes back, I don't necessarily expect them to win it all this year. But I think this is a necessary year for them to get to, you know, figure it out, go through those, you know, aches and pains, get off to, you know, a bad start or whatever. Just get on the court, get a feel for each other, because it's different playing at the park, different at, of going up and down, running with each other in L.A. at, at open gym or whatever. than when you're playing NBA caliber talent um, and having them, you know, play back to backs or whatever and, and, and having to travel with each other and develop that chemistry. So. I think that this Brooklyn Nets team, like you said, their current situation is obviously the headliner of this trade and uh, everybody's going to be talking about them, but there is a big bust potentiality. I know we use that with drafts, but this big bust potentiality with uh, taking a chance on, you know, getting James Harden if Kyrie is not willing to come back into the fold. Let's switch gears. Let's move on to the Rocket side of the current situation. Right now, it's projected that their starting lineup is going to be John Wall, Oladipo, Daniel House, P.J. Tucker, who may be on the move as well, too. There's been some restlessness with him, and then Christian Wood. And then you have Cousins, uh, Ben McElmore, and Eric Gordon coming off the bench. So this team is kind of in a weird situation where – they aren't contenders, but they're not really rebuilding. <laughs> they're, exactly. they're in that they're in that weird uh, middle ground, and I think that they're that in that fringe playoff team that could potentially either cause problems for other teams or they just cause problems for themselves. That's that's pretty much how it's gonna go. Yeah, and I feel then, like they could definitely be within like the nine, ten, eleven range. Yeah, they'll be in that play in tournament still, just because on paper this team still looks damn good. Um, but like I said before, they're either gonna be surprisingly good or they're going to be underwhelming. So I think the focus, it's just crazy how in a snap of a finger, everything changes. Cause at first it was all in on winning a championship, get James Harden, whatever the hell he needs, whether that's Chris Paul, Westbrook, John wall, whatever the hell it is, get it to win now. Cause we're winning a championship and it's completely just shifted to, okay, we're going to see how this season plays out. And then the upcoming off season, we can decide how we want to approach the future. That's basically what the Rockets are sitting on right now. Yeah. I think the Rockets and we're good. And we, you know, People are going to be talking about the Rockets uh, uh, era with James Harden for quite some time, uh, you know, especially if, you know, he ends up winning a championship with this Brooklyn Nets team. Uh, team. But you look at, like, how close they got several different times. And the funny thing is that Harden did – it felt like Harden – obviously, I felt like the closest he came was with Chris Paul. But it, it, it was interesting when he was with, like, Dwight Howard or when he didn't have the best of, of teams – is when it seemed like they were close. <laughs> they got like closer. They were getting to like the conference finals. They came back 3-1 against the Clippers. Sorry, Kush. <laughs> and then also, um, you know, even recently getting 3-2 up on the Warriors in the conference finals, getting one game away, missing those 27 threes that will forever be haunting to Houston Rockets fans. But ultimately, I think that this team will will always be thinking about what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if they would have made those 27 threes? What if they would have gotten to the finals against LeBron that year? Um, it, it's just a team of what if. And now, like you said, things just move so fast. And now they're in that, I don't want to say rebuilding stage, but like 
reloaded stage, if you want to say that. Um, and they kind of have to like shift gears here and kind of like figure out um, what their future holds for them. But currently right now, like you said, I feel like they are not necessarily like a favorite, but definitely still a playoff contender. They're not like a bad team necessarily um, on paper by any means. It's just that I feel like there are some budding teams also trying to get in the playoffs, especially with that very packed Western conference that might overlap them. So um, I think one of the key situations that they could maybe lean on is just look at what the Oklahoma City Thunder did a year ago. And could the Rockets potentially be that team that shocks everybody and use this trade as their motivation like everybody's counting us out nobody expects us to do anything let's just go out there and do our thing and especially with a rookie head coach in uh um in silas i think they're gonna really just have to 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 gravitate around each other and like uh john wall and demarcus cousins were saying they're gonna have to buy in in order to uh, do the best that they can be the best team that they can be. And that might have to be get rid of PJ Tucker because you can't have disgruntled guys on your roster because that's just going to kill the synergy of the team. And they've already sent Westbrook gone, James Harden gone. Wouldn't shock me if they get rid of PJ Tucker too. And if the Nets uh, could be potentially interested, I would be interested to see if they may try to pursue after, you know, trying to snatch up PJ Tucker as well, or another team is in the market for PJ Tucker. I think that could be something to look out for because PJ Tucker, you want to talk about a guy who can get it done on both ends of the court, sit in the corner for you. Yes. On the offensive end, but lock down this dude gives 100 one yes, 100% effort. You know, one of the teams that I think would definitely use a PJ Tucker right now, Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, I'm not saying he can stop KD, but he would give KD some trouble. And I feel like that would be something that could take the pressure of Giannis having to do it on both ends of the court and being able to prioritize playing on the offensive end. So look out for that. I mean, uh, I think the Rockets are probably trying to uh, look at their assets right now and they're just already preparing for the future. And since we're talking about the future, like Kush, what do you see happening for the Rockets going forward? Do you think that they could use their picks and their, you know, draft capital or whatever and try to maybe even flip for more assets? Do you think that they can make this into a, a Tatum Brown sort of situation where they're able to get some budding young stars in the draft or um, be able to, 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 to just, you know, get better in the future? I think that's all dependent on what happens in Brooklyn. So I know Rockets and Rocket fans are going to be praying for the Brooklyn to just crumble <laughs> downfall. apart yeah, and downfall, downfall. <laughs> or like just that 2022 season. They're hoping that the Milwaukee Bucks just suck because they have their unprotected <laughs> first round picks. It's going to be a lot of rooting against uh, for the Rockets. But I think that, I mean, the draft capital that they have, it's absolutely insane. Four first round picks, all unprotected from Brooklyn and that goes all the way I think that's 2022 2024 and 2026 <laughs> so who's to say that even if the Nets win a championship they still decide to go their separate ways and that 2026 pick could be a very valuable pick for the Rockets so it will be interesting but I think for their future it, it all just they're just relying on the other teams because I think they're like they're kind of like uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, like you said, is yeah, that that they 
have the opportunity to, you know, battle for a playoff spot and make, make some noise in the playoffs this year. But what happens next year? Like you see the thunder right now, they let Chris Paul go, they let Steven Adams go. So it's like, now they just have a lot of young players that they're trying to mesh and either they kind of boost their value and trade them along with first round picks to get a star or they bring them along and they just rebuild from their home turf and basically through draft and uh, through developing players. So it, 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 there's multiple ways the Rockets can go right now. There's no wrong way. I mean, I think the wrong thing was to trade James Harden in the first place, but given how disgruntled he was and everything, you kind of had to, he was forcing your hand. Exactly. But that they have to make the best out of the situation. And I feel like they have ample opportunities to do so. So I think the Rockets are sitting pretty well right now, looking towards the future. And the funny thing is that like we talking about OKC and uh, Houston, like how crazy is it that both of these teams at one point or another were vying for championships and both of them had James Harden in their locker rooms and he departed from them and neither one of their teams have been the same ever since. That is crazy. So we'll see if that happens for the Nets. Let's actually talk about the Nets now and their future situation because we talked about Houston they basically traded their entire future. It's all in or nothing. Kind of what you see the Clippers doing. You see what the Bucks are doing. They're basically going all in on this. And they're big three. I mentioned it before. They all have player options 2022, 2023. So if they opt out and they walk, they're going to be left with absolutely nothing. Exactly what happened with KG and Paul Pierce um, turning into Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And I think so. KD's 32, James Harden's 31, and Kyrie's 28 going on 29 this season. Mm -hmm. So all these guys are going to be in their prime for at least another two to five years, maybe three to five years, barring no detrimental injuries, knock on wood. Mm -hmm. But I think adding Harden to this team allows them to mesh. And even if they don't win a championship this year, they have next year, let's say they don't even win a championship next year, just seeing how they play with one another could just force them to be like, Hey, let's run it back. Maybe this guy can go. He wasn't the matching piece, whether that's Kyrie, whether that's Harden, whether that's KD, let us two run it back. And they sign a contract extension and uh, the Nets will still be contenders with uh, better role players around them. Kind of what you're seeing with the Lakers right now with AD and LeBron, and then just great role players around them. So I yeah. think that the if the Nets can retain at least two of their big three from this trade That's come to 2022 thinking. or 2023 season, I think it's still a W and that those draft picks that they traded away won't be as valuable or won't be as big as a loss as we're all seeing it to be right now. I think the key is, is seeing how long of a career and how much of a high level KD can, you know, keep it going. Because I love the fact that he's been able to come back and pretty much not miss a step essentially and be able to play at such a high level uh, after such a crazy injury. The key thing for me is like, can he do it this season, next season and the year after that, while he's got, you know, such great talent around them and can it be enough for them to get into the finals and win a championship at bare minimum this year, they got to make at least the Eastern conference finals. Everybody oh, yeah, healthy, sure. every everybody healthy, everybody playing, uh, including Kyrie, they gotta at least make the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, for sure. Even even though we talk about like teams like you know the Heat are are up there, the 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 Bucks are up there, uh, you know the Raptors 
could no you know, mm, no yeah, no not really but not really but i mean they're, they're second so, to last in the east come on yeah. you got the sixers <laughs> you could put the sixers in there sixers, don't put right, the raptors sixers, sixers up there um even maybe like when the Celtics get fully healthy and back together uh so they got like, yeah you can't forget about your your winners of course not of course not of course not i'm always rooting for for my boys but anyway nah like you just look at this team and what I'm hoping for is that we get to see in the conference finals, as I'm, as I'm predicting, as I predicted before this trading happened, we get Kyrie versus his old team, Kemba playing against the team that, you know, he, he's from the Bronx. So, I mean, you know, I know New Jersey is, you know, not, you know, Brooklyn, but this would be an interesting matchup if we had a fully healthy Celtic squad versus a fully healthy net squad. Now, with this trade, I probably would give the edge, of course, to Brooklyn, but at the same time, would love to see it. Would love to see it, especially a seven-game series between these guys. Would love to see it. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting, and I think we're going to be revisiting this trade at the end of the season or even in a year for in years a to come, years. bro. Yeah. I mean, hell, there might even be a 30 for 30 on this. You never know. But yeah, that's basically going to wrap up this emergency podcast. We had to hop on this as soon as we saw that James Harden trade, even though we kind of foreshadowed it our last episode, huh? At the we end really of the did. Episode. We have been kind of like throwing it out there, like, you know, James Harden might get traded, but it was just a matter of time. And I feel like he kind of forced the issue with his uh, post-game interview. And that kind of really put, you know, Houston in a situation where they had to speed up the process and the Nets with no Kyrie right now. And he's MIA. They kind of are like, yo, we need to get somebody here with Kevin Durant to keep him there, keep him motivated. And obviously we want to be able to get him as plenty of load management rest that he needs because this team is built for the playoffs. It is all in about the playoffs. They're not worried about what seed they get. Of course they want to finish in within, you know, top four, top five, but they're not worried about what seed they get. They just focus on what matchups they're getting. They're going to have to face. And the task at hand is to win. It is all about W-I-N, nothing less. They have to win. Because if they don't, <laughs> this Nets franchise, man, it's going to be like this team is just, this franchise is just cursed. Ever since they went to Brooklyn, they've just been cursed if this doesn't work out. This has to work. Has to yeah. at least get them one chip. Yeah, it's been a tough year in 2020 for Houston losing James Harden in 2021 now and then they may even lose out on Deshaun Watson too so oh boy if you're in Houston I'm feeling real bad for you but we shall see and then also the cheating the cheating scandal as well with the Astros man right yeah but that's gonna wrap it up for this episode of the emergency podcast make sure y'all are following us on our social media to find out because we tweeted a little earlier saying emergency podcast be on the lookout for it um on twitter at the underscore nosebleeds that's k-n-o-w-s bleeds instagram the nosebleeds and on facebook facebook.com the nosebleeds podcast and then that we are out deuces